Who doesn't like a good Steve Martin uh, movie every now and then, right? Uh, the best part is the other frog's name is Pork. So Pork and Beans, uh, good sense of humor on that kid. Um, but we're, as you can tell, we're going to dive into families and Christmas. In case you don't know, again, Christmas is around the corner. It's coming. It will be here before you know it. And today actually marks the first Sunday of Advent. This is a time where we as Christians kind of pause in the rat race of life. We begin to uh, seek God and we have this anticipation for Christ's return. It culminates with the anticipation of Christmas morning. And this Sunday is a day of hope. It's the Sunday of hope for Advent. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of hopes this Christmas season. I know my sons have a lot of hope. If you've seen their Christmas lists, they have a lot of hope. A lot more than uh, will ever come to fruition. But we all have hopes, and it culminates, of course, with the hope that Christ will return. And it's a good season for us to enter into. But what type of hopes do you have this Christmas season? Are you hoping that for once your family's Christmas dinner will go off as planned? Maybe it will look like, uh, I got a portrait of, of a dinner that... Um, a portrait of a dinner. I have a portrait of a dinner. There you go. I have a portrait of a dinner that, that a lot of us probably, you know, this is the iconic dinner. Yeah, they're, they're sitting around, they're laughing, they're bringing the turkey before everyone. And th- this is maybe what your hope is if you're a parent. Maybe your hope is that that you just survive Christmas. I had someone the other day on a social media site post a picture of a cat. Looks like it just got hit by something. Has that squished face look like this, you know, and it looks haggard. And the words around it said, are the holidays over yet? That's their hope this Christmas season, that everything would just hurry up and be done, that it's, it's gone. I have someone, uh, an extended family member, who, who that is their life right now. They have verbally said, you know, I dread this time, Isaiah. I dread from the start of uh, mid-November until the new year. Because of one reason. One reason prevents you and I from having this iconic Christmas day. Are you ready for this? One word. People. <laughs> People. People stop and they get, in, get stop you from having this iconic day. People are the reason that it doesn't work out. I mean, how many of you have crazy Aunt Bertha that comes every Christmas and she just says things that are inappropriate at the inappropriate times? And as someone who does that for often, you just, I still don't find it funny. You're like, uh, oh, Aunt Bertha, no. You know, mom worked hard on that dinner. That's turkey's crap. You know, you're like, no, Aunt Bertha, no. Shh. You know, whisper it, Aunt Bertha. Put your hearing aid in. Or maybe there's um, that overzealous mother-in-law who, when you go to Christmas dinner, you sit around knowing that she's judging you, knowing that she's looking at, at how your kids are acting around that dinner table. And you're sitting there with your kids, and you're praying to God, saying, please, Lord, let them be good. Please, Lord, let them be good. Please, Lord. And you don't want to be that parent, but you kind of turn into sit down. Shut up. Eat. You're going to eat all of it. I swear Santa is not coming to the house if you don't eat. 
He will take everything back on December 26th. Santa's already been here. He will come back. I will write him. You know? <laughs> you turn into that parent, right? Because of this, this fear that you know your mother-in-law is going to tell you. My kids never acted like that. Oh, really? I married your kid. <laughs> right? So maybe it's the overzealous mother. Maybe it's your actual parental units. They, on Christmas, the Christmas dinner, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get the lecture. The lecture about how you've been living your life. Or worse yet, the lecture about how you're currently living your life. And there's even one worse than that. The one that says the lecture about how you're going to live your life. The, the future, you know, well, you're just going to end up in a ditch. Aren't strung out on drugs if you continue this path. And you're like, please, really? Come on, I, I'm not even there yet. How can you lecture me about what is yet to come? And so people kind of get in the way of having this iconic Christmas. Now, I, I, for some of you, I am old. So some of you, I am very young. For some, I'm like, you're like, man, we're the same age. It's awesome. I'm 35. So I'm entering my 35th Christmas this season. And I can tell you out of 34 of them, I have yet to have a perfect Christmas. Now, I came close when I was young. I was about nine years old, and I got the very first Nintendo on the very first Christmas it came out. That was probably close to perfection for as young of a kid as possible. And the other gamers in the audience are all nodding their head going, yeah, I mean, it came with the robot, and I mean, yeah. And I was told I would... <laughs> if you're not a gamer, don't worry. Over your head, all the gamers' mouths are open like, you had the robot, yes, okay? Uh, and I remember I was told, you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it. And the last gift, you're like, man, this Christmas sucks. <laughs> and it's there, and you're like, ah! I mean, it's the only time I can remember screaming like a girl. Well, until my voice cracked, I screamed like a girl all the time. But, you know, ah! and screaming. That, I, I, you know, and it, it was, that was probably close. But that, that, still isn't, that still isn't the iconic Christmas. And then I got married. And I did marital counseling at Asbury because they offered it. It was free. And then I did marital counseling with our pastor because he required it. And one thing that I never took from marital counseling was that when two families come together, it is like taking two uh, atoms and putting them in a, an accelerator and sending them at each other, and smashing them together. And there's nothing like holidays to bring the two differences of families out quickly. Prime example, Christmas morning. Now we're staying home this Christmas. And so this is always a fun debate in the Serbrooks household. Because one family, and I'll let you decide which family's which. I told my wife I went out either family. You guys will know. Uh, <laughs> One family stacks the gifts around each of the due recipients, and you sit in your area, and then you wait. You read the Christmas story, because it is all about Jesus. You know, you got to put him in there quickly. And then you wait for the gun. Mark, set, and the gun goes off. And then it's a free-for-all. Wrapping paper. Ooh, ah, oh, man. You see uh, wrapping paper flying all over the place, bows going everywhere. You get a paper cut, and you're like, oh, I must continue for the good of man. And you go for another <laughs> gift, and you're ripping through it, and you're just, ooh, ah. And it's, I mean, it's electric, and it's exciting. And then all of a sudden, as the ribbons begin to settle, and everyone takes a collected breath, you're like, that was Christmas. <sighs> that was awesome. Then you have the other family who looks into that 
and sees chaos. That's not Christmas. It's chaos. And therefore, I must be like God himself, the only person ever to bring order from disorder. And I will reach into that type of thing. And and yes, we will stack gifts around, but we are going to do Robert's rules of orders when it comes to Christmas morning. Only one person will have the floor, only one person will speak, and one person will open up the gift at a time. Now, if you are a drama major, this is great because all eyes are on you. And you're like, oh, my time to shine. And you just, you know, jazz hands it up and everything. Right? Because it's your time to shine. And, and if you are a person giving gift, this is great because you are sitting there with bated breath and you're like, everyone's watching. They're going to get the reaction I want. And that is Christmas. And that is Christmas for you. And no one tells you when you get married that you have to figure out which level of Christmas you're going to do. So when we figure it out in the serpent castle, I'll let you know. But we don't know which one we do. And so with the holiday seasons coming up, I've been thinking a lot about child and parent relationships. Because we can talk all day about the overzealous mother-in-law. We can talk all day about crazy Aunt Betty. I mean, we can talk about all of those things. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to parent and child relationships. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I went to a conference a couple uh, months ago, a children's ministry conference. I'm going to tell you, it wrecked me. There was a sermon in there about luggage. And uh, Max and I are working on it. We're going to... You guys will be hearing the same sermon. Uh, I will steal part of it. But there's a whole other aspect that I think they missed that we'll talk about. But it's really been making me think about my kids and my interaction with my sons. They're six and three now. What's going to happen when they are coming up to their 35th Christmas? And some of you may be thinking, I say, that's crazy time. I mean, that's borrowing trouble. Doesn't the Bible say something about worry? I mean, hello, you're a pastor. You're worrying about when they're 35? Yes, because you know what? There's one thing old people have told me about life that has been correct. They said that when, you don't ha- when, you, when you're kidless, it's like watching a movie at normal speed. You're enjoying life. You, know, you drop a hat, you leave, it's good. Sleep in, oh, sleep in, wonderful. Then you have kids and someone pushes the fast forward button on the movie. And, it, and they say you turn around and your kids are in grade school. You turn around and they have graduated high school. You turn around and they are out of college. You turn around and you are a grandparent. Now these are people that have gone on before me. This is what they tell me as a young parent. They tell me, and I can tell you only right now, they are right. Old people are right. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you can. Old people are right. I I look at my oldest son. Now, granted, he's taller than the average six-year-old, but I look at him, and I'm like, when did you turn six? When did you learn how to to debate and argue in life? Why are you getting in trouble for talking all the time in school? You take after your mother. No one buys that yet. I'm going to keep selling it till the day I die. But, I mean, he's six. And then I look at my my three-year-old. The lover and bruiser all wrapped into one. I mean, he's a lover and fighter. And I'm like, wait a minute. When did that happen? You're three now. It's like this. And I can tell you they are right. Time has gone like this from birth to six. So if they're right about that, then I have to be worried that they're, that they're right, that I'm going to turn around and my kids are going to be in high school and out of high school. I'm going to turn around and they're going to be out of college. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be a grandpa. 
with no hair at the rate I'm going. It's okay. It, I'm just, I, I, I warn my wife all the time, this is an endangered species. I do everything I can to protect the environment. Hence why I don't use gel anymore. All right? But they turn around, and, and so that's why I'm thinking about this relationship with my kids. Because I don't want, when they are 35, that they dread coming home. That they're sitting there with their wives going, we've got to go to my parents' house. You know, it's the thing you do during Christmas. We've got to go. And their wives are like, oh, I hate going to the in-laws. All right, let's go. Get this over with. Merry Christmas! I don't want that. I want them to be eager that, man, I get to go to my dad's, I get to my mom's, you know. And their in-laws, and my daughter-in-laws will be like, my in-laws, they're awesome. I get to go see them. That's what I want for them. And so it all starts with that relationship. And the funny thing is, is the Bible talks a lot about parent and child relationships. I mean, as you know, I was born on Sunday and in church the next. And so I grew up hearing one thing as a kid. You all know it. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Isaiah, you need to honor your father and mother. Well, let's look into that some more. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Now, we have to read verse 4 because it's part of the group here of verses. We can't separate that uh, from the whole group, but we won't touch on that. That's a whole other sermon is verse 4. Ephesians 6, chapter 1, verse 4. Or verse 1, I'm sorry. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Uh, reading out of the New Living Translation. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, you, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now you can see why we're not touching verse 4. Um, it's a whole other sermon. But verse 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. There's an interesting thing here. The way Paul is writing this to the people of Ephesus, this children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. This is not one of those things that, that you get to just take or leave. It's not like eating your vegetables where Paul's saying, listen, you know, you probably should eat your vegetables. It's good for you. This is a command. This is one of the things that he's saying, listen, you belong to God. You obey your parents. Done deal. No argument. And for someone like me, I can't ask why. Nope. It's a done deal. Obey your parents. No ifs and buts about it. Done. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Keep going. Um, Honor your father and mother. So he's telling you where this is coming from. The fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. If you honor it, and he says this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. First command with a promise. Do you, do you get that? What he's saying is that this is the first command where God says, listen, you do this and I'm going to do this for you. It's almost a quid pro quo thing. You know, I, you do this, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The rest of the commands, you do them because I'm God. I mean, how many parents have said that to your kids? Do it because I said so. That goes over like, you know, a lead balloon, right? Okay, they do it, but not out of a grateful heart. And that's what you want. You will have a grateful heart and do it because I said. He's saying, Paul is saying, this is the first time, first command that God is saying, you do this 
and I'm going to give you a long life. You do that, and you're going to live well. And some of you may be thinking, Isaiah, you know, I know a lot of people who don't obey their parents, who don't honor them, and they've lived long lives, and they've lived their lives well. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's... I'm sure with modern medicine, we already know we are living longer. But are they living well? Because I know people in my life who truly have a great relationship with their parents. Their relationship with their parents is phenomenal. They honor their parents to a T. And now, if you look up honor in the dictionary and look at the verb uh, of honor, there are two things that usually come out. One is respect. Because how many of you honor people now? I mean, it's just the language we don't use. So honor your parents, respect your parents. And as I got looking, there was another one that I went, oh. To honor your parents can also mean to worship. And everyone in the room, some of you just went, did he just say I need to worship my parents? That man does not know my folks. You are nuts. You are off the rocker, Pastor Isaiah. You want me to worship my parents? Have you met my dad? Have you met my mom? Do you know the things they've said to me? Do you know the things they did to me? Worship? Are you nuts? That's it. Hey, I'm not telling you to worship your folks. I'm just telling you the definition. That's it. But respect. Respect your parents. Because we could stand up here and we could talk about verse 4 where it talks about parents and how you need to interact with your kids. And that's an important topic. How we interact with our kids is huge. But kids, how do you act with your parents is just as important. In fact, it kind of starts first. Honor your father and mother. Paul started with us as children first and how we interact with our parents. He didn't start with the parents. He didn't start with verse 4. He started with us as children. Because here's one thing I can guarantee. Raise your hand if you are a child and you have a parental unit of some sort all hands would go up, right? So he starts with parents first, or children first, in our relationship with our parents and how we interact with them. And I think that is so important because this holiday season, I think there are things that you and I can do with that relationship. I think there's things that that we can do that can kind of change just a little bit. So maybe we take the dread out of Christmas dinner. Maybe we take the dread out of Christmas morning and how we're going to open up gifts. Maybe we take that out. And the th- Paul is not asking us to do anything Christ hasn't done. Christ obeyed his dad. In fact, he obeyed his dad to the death. His dad said, I want you to die. And he said, what? Not your will. Not my will, but yours. Sorry. Freudian slip. Not my will, but yours, to the death. And the reason he did that is because he knew that his dad was faithful. Everything God had promised, everything God had ever said, everything he said he would do, he was going to do. So Jesus knew without a doubt that he could put his faith and trust in him and honor and obey him. Now, parents, I know I said I wasn't going to preach at you, but, but let me ask you, do you kind of set your kids up that way? When they walk through the door, can they naturally expect that lecture? And that's why they're acting the way? I mean, we are, we are faithful with what we already expect. Christ was faithful because he expected God to act a certain way. And God did. 
But Jesus honored his dad to the death. So we already have the best example of what it looks like to honor our parents. I want to give you five things here that I think you can do. Wow, look at that. Max actually took notes. Max is so proud. Uh, Five things that you can do. Simple ways to improve your child-to-parent relationship. First thing, recognize what your parents have done right in your life and tell them. You know what parents are wanting to hear from us as kids? They want to hear, I love you and thanks. When I travel for UK and I'm all over, the first thing that I love coming home to do is hear my boy say, Dad, I love you. It's what our parents do. As an adult, that's what my parents want to hear from me. I love you and then thanks. Thanks for doing this right. Because again, something they don't tell you. If, you. if you're not a parent, let me tell you, as parents, we really know and think we're screwing up all the time. We never think we're doing it right. Even when we put on the front, uh, front well, I've got everything worked out. No, we don't think that in our head. I tell my wife all the time, I'm just trying not to screw them up too bad. That's a great goal. That's a hope. Because I know I'm not going to do it right. I will screw up at some point, And I already have. But it would be nice to hear from my kids some point what I've done right. So kids, tell them. Take the initiative to improve your relationship. I was recently read an article that Max had posted on Facebook. And then I reposted because it just, I mean, again, another article just, wow. was the article about Charles and Andy Stanley. If you don't know about the Stanley, Charles Stanley is a pastor of the largest Southern Baptist church in Atlanta. He was raising his son Andy up through the ranks and had hoped to one day pass the big church torch onto his son. He and his son got in a little beef. Andy went off, started his own church um, called North Point Community Church, and um, one that we we have modeled ourselves after with some of the philosophies. Um, And so they had a big beef. They had a feud. And one thing that impressed, it, 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 let me tell you this too. If Charles Stanley equated it to David and Absalom, which if you don't know that story, read that story. That is not a good parent-child relationship whatsoever. I mean, there are plenty of great dysfunctional relationships to read in the Bible. But that's what he equated it to. But there's one thing Charles did that I thought was just amazing. And that was he said, I invited Andy to lunch. Mexican food. And Andy kept, he would accept. And so over chips and salsa, our relationships slowly began to heal. And there would be times that they would go and have lunch together and not say a word. They would sit there and eat and then leave. But Charles said, I kept inviting him. And Andy kept saying yes. I wonder how many of you need to be doing the same with your parents. Instead of waiting around for the Charles Stanley, to, the parent, to ask you to lunch, maybe you guys need to start having some more chips and salsa in your life. And work to improve, the, take the initiative. Praise them for the legacy, number three, that they are passing on to you. You have great parents. You sit here and say, man, Isaiah, my parents are great. Tell them the legacy they're passing on to you. Number four, recognize any sacrifices that have been made. Each parent sacrifices, one way or the other. And it's so true. There's so many things I would sacrifice for my two boys in a heartbeat. Here, you guys can have it. Yep, go for it. I want to see you succeed more than I, I want to succeed. 
Tell your parents. They've made sacrifices for you. Recognize those. And I don't care where your parents are on the spectrum. I know some of you are sitting here thinking, Isaiah, you really don't know my parents. You're asking me to do a lot. I mean, my parents are the scum of the earth. They did all these horrible things. They didn't do anything right. Absolutely horrible. I get that. I get that. that. That's what some parents are. But this last thing is one thing you can do to show them honor. And the last thing you can do is you can forgive them. You can forgive them as Christ forgave you. Because you know what? There are times when I am the scum of the earth with my heavenly father. And he forgives me every time. So maybe you can't write them a letter and tell them of the good things they did. Maybe there is no legacy they passed on to you. Maybe you don't even know them. But you can forgive them. You can forgive them. And that may be the hardest out of all of them. But you can forgive them. Now, parents, I would be remiss to not at least talk to you because some of you in this room, your parents are long gone. They're no longer here. So you're sitting here thinking, well, this sermon was a waste. I don't have parents around. No, but you have kids. Well, I say I don't have kids. You have spiritual kids. You have someone that you invested in at some point in time in your life. There's someone around. We all are parents to some extent. There's someone that, that you can see even in this room that you may know well enough that you could do these things. As a parent, flip these. As a parent, recognize what your children have done right and tell them. Take the initiative to improve the relationship. Praise them for the legacy that you see them passing on to their kids. Recognize the sacrifices they've made. And maybe you need to forgive your kids for the things that they have done and they have said. It works both ways. But I can tell you this. These are the things that if we work on, we can have that iconic picture. You want to have that best Christmas? Think about how it would be if this small dread of parent-child relationships just wasn't there. Or if you have great parents and you're eager to go home and eager to see them or eager to have them over your house, imagine if you just improved it just a little. Just a little. How sweeter that Christmas would be. I have many hopes this Christmas season, and one of them is that you have the best Christmas you've ever had. My hope is that you are able to forgive your parents if they need forgiving, forgive your kids, that you start thinking about the legacy that you're leaving no matter where you are in life. What are you leaving with your kids? How's that relationship? And like I told you, this is just something that's been stirring in me ever since that conference. Who thought a children's conference would do such an emotional thing for me? But it did. And that's my hope for you.